Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys, welcome to the Karen Kenny Show, <laughs> episode 83. You know what I'm calling this sucker, you guys? I'm calling this sucker. I wasn't always this way. I wasn't always this way. And I've got a few thoughts about this. So let me dive right in. Um, number one, when we hear that statement, I wasn't always this way. It's so often like negative, right? Like I, I just try to think back to like, all the stories I've heard about people and it's like, it didn't always used to be this way, you know? <laughs> it used to be good times and now it's whatever. And it's like, I didn't always used to be this way. I didn't always have a closed hat. But after my so-and-so left me, betrayed me, cheated on me, died, whatever, fill in the blank, then I became like this, right? It's, it's like some version of, I wasn't always like this, <laughs> like meaning like however you are now is kind of fucked up or whatever. <laughs> this is actually the opposite of that. What I'm saying is I wasn't always the way, like I wasn't always this way, meaning the way that I am now. <clears throat> excuse me, which I hope is a positive thing, is a better thing, um, is, uh, I'm, you know, at my core, I was always this thing, right? At our core, we are always perfect, innocent, beautiful, holy, children of God, God's kids, children of the universe, the divine, whatever you want to say. I don't care. You know me. I don't get hung up on that stuff. Um, at our essence, we, we were always this way. But I, I always say this work that I do with people in spiritual mentoring, it's kind of like spiritual reclamation, right? I always say it's like it's deep personal and spiritual work. It is personality rehab. <laughs> That's what's happening here. So let's dive into this and why this topic came up for me. I wasn't always this way, meaning I wasn't always happy and peaceful. I just wasn't. That's just a fact. And so um, my sweetie, um, some of you know, my sweetie, Chris, my husband is a professional musician and he had um, a gig this past weekend and um, it was an outdoor gig. It was really interesting. It was an outdoor gig in a parking lot um, at a club where normally they would play inside, but instead they built a stage outside and they drew these like big yellow boxes um, on the concrete where the parking spots normally would be. And so like when you signed up, you would get one of those little boxes and you just brought your own chairs and like you just kind of packed it. And like when you left your box, you put on your mask and like it was really fascinating and it was wicked nice out. It was the perfect day. Um, so I was super excited because I hadn't been out to a show in a super duper long time. And I didn't have one of those boxes. I just packed my ass on a chair, like off to the side, out of the way, you know, away from everybody else. But one of the people that also came to the gig was my childhood boyfriend. 
And this was um, a guy that I started seeing like after my senior year. So in between my senior year of high school, that my senior year of high school, I graduated from Lawrence High and right before I went off to Boston University to BU. Uh, that summer is when we started dating. And there was a little age discrepancy, right? So he was 15, I was 17. But then his birthday is like a few weeks before mine. So then he became 16 and I turned 18 around the time. So we, you know, we were like in that age, think 15 to 18 year old age, right? But he was a couple of years younger than me. And so he was at the gig and I've known, you know, obviously I've known him for like 30 friggin' years. So by the time you guys are listening to this and hearing this, I have turned 52. So my birthday's on October 4th. So it was just my birthday by the time you're hearing this. And so I've known, I've known, oh my God, I've known Francis for like um, a gazillion years, like since I was 17 years old. <laughs> One of the longest standing like friendships and relationships that I have. And we were cracking up laughing because as I was driving down to this gig, it was in Danvers. And, you know, there's this age, this weird age gap around the time that I got my license. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, they get their license earlier in high school and they end up driving around their area when, if they have a car, that's assuming they have a car. Um, I didn't get my license until I was 17, like the sun, right, right as I was kind of almost getting ready to go away to college. So I had it for a little bit of time. Like I think um, at the end of my senior year, um, or I don't even think I had it. I think I got it the summer, like after I graduated, if I have to be honest. Um, in my, I don't know, who knows? My memory might be a little squirrely on that. Um, but so I literally like got a car and then like moved to Boston. So it's not like I was driving around. And I think in, in Lawrence, and I think there's this really fascinating thing that happens where, um, you know, if you stayed in the area, so basically I moved to Boston and then I moved to LA, right? So those formative years of like really starting to know how to navigate um, the different places where you live. Um, and so much of me, like my sister sometimes would be like, how do you not know where that is? And I was like, I don't know. I was always in the back seat. I wasn't paying attention. Like I didn't get my license until I was like 17, almost 18. And then I went off to Boston. Like I, you know, I know how to get around Boston probably <laughs> maybe, but it was just kind of funny. So I, I have to push in like into my um, GPS, like how to get to Danvers. Um, and I, I know, and I'm just like, oh, it's going to be like, you know, 93 to 495 to like whatever. Well, as I'm driving, all of a sudden, all of a sudden you hear the Siri voice go in 900 feet take this exit. And I'm like, what, what the fuck? Like, why is Siri taking me down? Like, why am I going 114? This, none of this is making sense. And I'm sure to the people who like drove around here forever, like, yeah, okay, that actually makes a ton of sense. But you got to imagine, like, I'm like, Siri, you're so stupid. Shut up, right? Like, as I'm driving off the ramp, as I come off the ramp, all of a sudden, I'm like, like, I go from having this, like, like, you know, like my face is wrinkled. Like if you're watching me right now, instead of listening, if you YouTube the show and you watch me do these shows versus just listen, you can see my face. It's like this face I make when I'm like, that's stupid, right? I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> like, why am I doing this? <laughs> so all of a sudden I realize where I am though. And it is just like a fucking trip down memory lane. It's like, oh my God, I am just seeing like place after place after place after place from my childhood. 
And I'm like, oh my God, that's the market basket where my mother would take us food shopping, right? She'd pile us all into the car. I'm like, oh my God, how did Denrock become a condo place? There's condos at Denrock. This is where we used to potty in the woods. And oh my God, that Kohl's used to be a Kmart. That's where like I shoplifted some mittens for Marie Therrien because her hands were cold when we were potting up at Denrock, right? Like I'm just totally going down like memory lane. And all of a sudden I see a building and I, I'm, look, I, this, this story, I'm, I'm being a little cheeky because I don't, I'm not going to tell the whole thing just because I'm saving it for my book. But let's just say I see something and I realize like, why is this building triggering this memory for me? Okay. So later on, when I see my childhood boyfriend, I ask him, does this building mean anything to you? Because there's only, only one person I can really think of that I would probably be in this building with. <laughs> it was probably you. And we were just kind of laughing. So we were like, I was going down this memory lane and thinking about my younger self, thinking about my younger, tortured, traumatized, and suffering self. And how I used to be, you guys, so unhappy and so, like I was an intrinsically, I think, naturally happy kid. But there was so much intense, like my childhood was so intense. And look, I understand, like whose wasn't? A lot of people's adulthoods are still wicked intense. I think just being in the world right now is re-traumatizing for a lot of people, right? I mean, there's a lot of shit that is going on right now that just feels like I'm in some sort of science. I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck is happening right now? Um, but so when I think back though to that childhood self um, and all the things that happened, and what's so interesting is I was talking when I was talking to Andre on the um, an episode two episodes ago, my writing mentor. And we were just kind of talking about, you know, the stories of our childhood. It's like so interesting because I think a lot of times when people think of me or think of my story, one of the first things they think about, like the headline news is like mother murdered when I'm 12, right? And I'm like, but there was so much shit that happened before that. There was so much shit that happened after that. Hence why I'm writing a book, right? And so I just think like, oh my God, there were so many things that happened. But definitely one of the things that happened after my mother was killed is that I was not happy. I was really not at peace and I was definitely angry. And there was a period of time when like I just hated everything. I would just be like, that's stupid. I hate that. Right. Like, and they called me like Miss Attitude, like Miss Attitude. Like I had an attitude problem. I fucking hated everything and everything was stupid and I didn't want to do that. And like, and it's interesting because on the, like on the outside, right? On the outside, like I'm wicked popular at school and I'm on the softball team and I'm on home, you know, student council and I do the homeroom thing and I'm on the yearbook and I win most popular and I'm captain of the cheerleaders and I'm doing all the things. And I, and I, I'm dating, I'm dating, you know, a kid two years older than me, who's like also star athlete. Everybody knows his fan, blah, blah. On the outside, everything looks pretty good. On the inside, it was a shit show. On the inside, there was so much going on um, that I kept to myself, that I didn't share with people. So I wasn't fucking happy and I wasn't peaceful. You know, my, when my sweetie and I were talking about this the other day, we were kind of talking about this podcast episode. And I said, sweetie, like, what do you think the heartbeat of this thing is? Like, what's the foundation of what I'm trying to say? And he knows me really well. And we were just kind of talking about, you know, when I do these podcast episodes, of course, I want them to be valuable. Like I want them to be helpful. I always say I want it to either 
educate, elevate, enlighten, or entertain. I want there to be these aspects because you're giving me time, right? Like I'm in your ear right now. If you can hear the sound of my voice, you made a conscious choice to say, yeah, I'm going to listen to KK today. So that, you know, me showing up and trying to, you know, not just like go on and on and on, but actually say something of value. And I said to him, you know, so what do you think the heartbeat of this is and the work that I do and all this stuff? And he, we were just laughing. He's like, I, I would just say it like this. I would break it down like this. I wasn't always this way. <laughs> now I am always this way. And I can show you how I became this way and how to maintain it. And I just thought it was, and I'm not saying this isn't about being like me, like, oh, this is about like being a little uh, KK follower or like drinking the Kool-Aid. It's not about that, but it is about these concepts of happiness and peace and deep connection to self and source and spirit, a deep knowing of myself as a child of God and extension of love. Right. And I thought that that was so powerful. I wasn't always this way. Now I am always this way. Um, and I can also show you. And that's, that's the spiritual mentoring piece, right? Like that's the work that I do in spiritual mentoring is I can uh, show you how I got this way and how I maintain it. Because it's easy, it's easy to slip back. It's easy to be negative. It's easy to be negative. It's easy to feel victimized right now, right? Like it, and there is, there's a lot going on. Like don't get me wrong. I'm very clear, I'm very clear what's happening in the political stratosphere and the social structures. I'm not saying that. I'm not a person who turns my face away from the darkness. It's not that. I'm talking about how, you know, how I can maintain being, I, I, I kind of say it like this, like I was made for these times, like my childhood kind of prepared me, <laughs> you know, my life kind of prepared me for these extra weird times in this wicked, weird world we find ourselves in. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't always able um, to maintain a sense of calm or peace or happiness or positivity or um, what's the word I'm looking for? And I don't think of it like a false Pollyanna-ish, right? Like that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying like, I think it's a very radical thing right now. Like when people ask you, you know, how are you doing? You know, there's always this part of my mind that stops and says, well, if I say I'm doing great, does that make me an asshole? Like if I say like, I'm doing good, you know, thanks, you know, whatever. Um, because I know how much suffering is happening right now. And it doesn't mean that I don't cry and I don't feel my feelings and I don't rage against sometimes against like the stupidest shit that I see on the news. Um, it's not that. But overall, I maintain a pretty happy and cheerful and peaceful and dedicated and devoted um, to the divine, to the light kind of a life. Um, and so, you know, the way that you get that way, though, the way that like when you have all that trauma, right, there's a lot, I mean, there's obviously lots of different practices that you can do. I can only talk about what I've done. I can only talk about my paths. The only thing I'm a fucking expert on is me, right? It's the only thing I know how to share, like what was helpful are the tools that I have personally used. And it's, that's how I am. You know, I won't like, um, I've often said to my friends, even if I know you and I love you, um, and let's say, I'll just say like you're a massage therapist or you have some skill set, right? Um, I'm not going to refer you to people, even if I love you, until I've had work with you, until I have personally experienced it myself. That's, that's part of my makeup. If you know anything about human design, and if you don't, go and listen to my episode with Kelsey Abbott. But anything about human design, one of the things I've come to really learn about myself is that I have to try everything for myself. I have to find out for myself. Um, and then once I've done that, then I can actually make a referral, a recommendation, or pass on some wisdom. But I've got to go first and do it first and feel it first and think about it first and experience it before I'm of any help to anybody else. So I can't talk about what another person's experience 
is. I can try to put myself in their shoes. I could try to understand or relate. I can definitely have empathy or sympathy. Um, but the only thing I'm a real authority on or have any agency about is me and what I do and what I've done, who I was and who I am and where hopefully I'm going. And even that I can't predict right from day to day. I'm asking every day. I call on my spiritual team every day to guide my steps. And if you listened to last week's episode, you heard me talk about that, right? We can't ask the divine to guide our steps. We can't ask God to guide our feet, right? You can't say, oh, guide my life if you're then not willing to move your damn feet and to walk and to do the work. And that's part of this, how I kind of became this way as a more, you know, like energetic, happy, um, positive, uh, solutions focused, solutions oriented, not wanting to feel like a victim, trying to not so much take control of my life, but feel like, um, you know, that I am taken care of. That the divine works on, in, in, on um, when I say my behalf, meaning it brings me what I need. Sometimes what I need is to get knocked on my ass, right? Sometimes what I need is to shut the fuck up and get quiet. Sometimes what I need is a real win, an easy win where it's like, yeah, here we go, right? Sometimes I need, like, you know, um, there's, a, there's a great quote. I cannot off the top of my head remember who said it, so I apologize about that, but it's something like, souls are like athletes. They need worthy opponents, right? To get stronger and to grow. And I think my life has, my life has been a really, really worthy opponent. <laughs> it's really given me lots of opportunities to get stronger and to grow, you know, and, and the ways that I've become like this, you know, I always say I am this way now because I do very specific things. Um, and I talk about this, you know, about creating um, daily devotionals, daily spiritual practices where there is d dedication, dedication, and there is determination, and there is discipline. And we're a world that really doesn't like a lot of discipline. There are some people, there are some people I think who are kind of um, engineered in a way where it's really they love it, right? There, like I would say, like some some profession, not all. I'm not putting anybody in a box, but people who tend to um, do like um, hardcore sports, right? Like triathletes and professional athletes, people who have to repetitively show up and practice their drills and practice their skills and people who, right, have meditation practices where each day they sit their ass down or they do their, their spiritual work or whatever. Um, so I can just say that. So it's de de daily determination, dedication, discipline, and devotion, where you are devoted to something greater than yourself. Right. And it's from, I always, I always say, I did a whole episode on this that I believe discipline leads to freedom. Right. I think doing something enough times, it's just like building those muscles. And then, you know, you can go into the game and it becomes second nature. And that's what I'm saying. I wasn't always this way. I didn't always used to pause and question my thoughts. I didn't always used to consider like I might be wrong. I didn't always used to want to be happy instead of right. You know, when A Course in Miracles asked that question, do you prefer to be right or happy? The answer used to be both. I wanted both. <laughs> I wanted to be right and happy. Then I was just like, no, I want to be happy. And then I realized like, no, no, I want to be right. Right. I was really attached to being right. Uh, but then I realized, well, in order for me to be right, other people have to be wrong. So then I'm like, yeah, I think I would rather just be happy because quote unquote, right 
is often this construct of the ego anyways. So having daily spiritual practices like prayer and meditation, for some people it's journaling, for some people it's a gratitude practice, a loving kindness meditation, passage meditation. For some people it's um, yoga. For, for me, it also includes reading, right? This, as you can tell, I have books like all over my house. So uh, re reading for some people, um, you know, they do like daily scripture reading, like the people who are into the Bible and stuff like that, you know, um, but I do some sort of spiritual reading um, each day for sure. Um, I also like to have deep conversations. I don't think that a lot gets solved in this world without us talking to each other and being willing to have deep conversations, being willing to uh, listen to opposing points of view. Um, so there's all these practices and all these things that I do on a daily basis where I literally ask for my thoughts, my words, and my actions to be guided. But all of that wouldn't be possible if I didn't first start to discipline myself enough to just slow down, to not just jump to, and make assumptions about people. And it doesn't mean that a crazy thought doesn't sometimes get through, right? I am not fucking perfect. I mean, I don't believe that. I don't really think there's actually perfection anyways. I think that's another construct that keeps us stuck in a box. Um, but create, I kind of like to live my life way more creatively now, like out of curiosity instead of judgment, right? Out of interest rather than like having um, uh, an agenda, <laughs> right? But I do ask every day to be guided. Um, and then I trust the guidance that I receive. But in order to trust, right? In order to trust any kind of inspired idea that I might get from my spiritual team or from my inner teacher, Holy Spirit, um, I have to trust it, right? I'm not just going to do something willy nilly. Like, you know, there was a period of my life where it was like, I didn't fucking trust anything or anybody. Then it was like, I was kind of in this wicked extended, like trust fall, you know, those trust falls that they would have you do as kids where, or whatever you're at some event and they like, have you like, like just cross your arms, close your eyes and fall back and you had to trust that the bastards behind you were going to catch you. I felt like my life for a, a while, there was like a wicked long trust fall. And I had no idea how that shit was going to turn out. But at some point I was willing to make the leap of faith. Um, and sometimes I was dropped, which didn't help. And then sometimes I was caught, but now now I feel like um, I'm always going to be caught, even if I don't necessarily understand the outcome at the time. Um, I have such faith. I have such faith that I am loved, um, that I know that even when I don't like it or understand it at first, that there's a purpose to it, that, that it is like, um, that it is marinating me for some, some, wiser, <laughs> some wiser understanding to come. And part of it has just been also trusting, leaning into the mystery, right? But all these things that I do and that I, that I, that I teach, right? Um, it's why I love one-to-one -one mentoring is because I get to have really intimate experiences um, where I'm holding a space for healing to happen. We are holding a space for us to revision the stories, to revise what's happened, to find purpose and meaning so that we can surrender them and let them go. And also, yeah, if you're listening to this this week, uh, on my birthday, on Sunday, October 4th, um, I opened up four spots, four spots for one-to-one -one mentoring with me. And I always say to people, look, I'm not going to lie. It is an investment. It is, a, it is a financial investment. It's a significant investment, but it's also an investment of your time, um, your energy, your um, spirit. Um, mentally, you got to show up, right? I, I don't half ask this. Like I go all in. So I want that from the people who say yes to. 
And that's why there's an application that you fill out. That's why there's a conversation that happens before I take your money where we decide like, yeah, this is something we both, we, we kind of know what, what this is about. And, uh, it, and I always say, look, it's not easy. It's not easy. And, and it takes work. But I honestly don't know what's more important than this kind of work. I'm not talking about, oh, your kids aren't important and your health isn't important. What I'm saying is your happiness and peace, your peace of mind and your internal well-being, it's so fucking important, you guys, because it affects everything else that you do. You know, a lot of people talk about this concept of like, you know, it's an old, it's been around, right? Hurt people hurt people. And I'm like, I just want to help people to become happier people because happy people tend not to hurt people, not on purpose anyways, not intentionally. And hurt adults are often wounded children who never got the care that they needed. They didn't have the tools in their toolkit, the spiritual toolkit that they needed. Nobody was sitting us down and talking to us. How do we talk about our dead parents or our divorced parents or the fact that one of my parents might be incarcerated or one of my parents is, is mentally ill or one of my guardians uh, sexually abuses me or this happened or that happened or that happened. And I just see it time and time and time again. You know, I always say I work with adults, but what I really work with is wounded kids who have undealt with shit. And I don't think there's anything more important than getting your shit together, like cutting the crap already, getting your mind right, changing your story. Like re, when I say rewrite your story, it doesn't mean like, doesn't mean that we don't acknowledge where we came from because so much of where we're going is about where we're coming from. We got to know where we're coming from. We got to know how, I always say to people, and sometimes it's like, you know, I'll also say, I, mean, I might be contradicting myself a little bit here, but sometimes I'll say, it doesn't matter how we got here. We're here now. And it doesn't matter how you got it. It's yours now. It's like, now what? What are we going to do with this? And I talk about that, like moving from the why to the what. So I have all these different tools, all these different practices, and I pull from all kinds of different faith backgrounds. I'm a spiritual mutt. I use the tool that is most efficient to get the job done. I don't try to put God in any one particular box, you know? I don't try to come at it as a, you know, I was. I was raised a Catholic kid. There's still a part of me that's still very much like, ugh, I, I feel those roots. You know, I, I don't say, oh, I'm a recovering Catholic. Um, and I don't necessarily walk around saying like, like claiming it on my shirt, like, oh, Catholic kid. But that's what I was. And there's parts of, there's parts of that upbringing that um, still reside within my heart. You know, but I'm also a long time yoga teacher. I'm a long time yoga student. I'm also like, you know, over 25 years. Uh, also almost 30 years as a Course in Miracles student, almost over 20 years as a passage meditation practitioner, you know, and on and on and on. So I pull from a lot of different things. I've read a lot of books. I've done a lot of courses. I've been through a lot of trainings, you know what I mean? Uh, and you know, somebody said to me the other day, you know, you would have made a really fantastic therapist. And I have two thoughts about that. You know, I often say like, well, hey, number one, I almost went to Goddard College too. Um, my, pre, my, old, my old counselor, my old therapist in, in California, Daphne Rose Kingma, she actually wrote me a beautiful, um, not testimonial, <laughs> there weren't testimonies, recommendations, a referral letter um, way back when, because I was thinking about maybe going into that. 
Um, and then obviously the divine said, no, you're going to be a yoga teacher instead. And you're going to take this other path. And I think that I have a lot more freedom as a spiritual mentor to try different things and to speak a particular way and to, to say things that maybe I wouldn't be able to say. Now, I'm not, I'm not a therapist, so I, I can't say this is 100% true. But I do think that I have a lot more room for me to bring in tools and to try things. And whether that's breath work and pranayama or, you know, like I said, like meditation or as a gateless writing facilitator, a gateless writing teacher, um, a creativity facilitator, being able to help people, um, you know, extract their stories and to rewrite them and to find their voice. Like there's a thousand ways is what I'm trying to say. Um, and I don't know if there's any work. Again, I really believe this. It's more important then you getting your mind right, you getting your shit together, like helping people to stop feel victimized by their lives. Now, this doesn't mean, I, wanna, I always want to be wicked clear, it doesn't mean that there aren't people in the world who are trying to victimize others. It's just that at a certain age, right, we get to have the authority and the agency, the autonomy to, to decide for ourselves. And I think that that's like wicked, wicked important. And one of the things that I get to do as a teacher, and I, I'm, I'm going to maybe do like a whole podcast episode on this. And my teacher, um, Ishwaran, um, said this so beautifully one time. He said, you want to light your torch from your teacher's fire. Oh, I love that so much. You want to light your torch from your teacher's fire. And that's how I think of one-to-one -one spiritual mentoring. You light your torch off of that would be me in this case, right? My fire. And I've told this story once before, you know, when I was graduating from my um, spiritual mentoring certification course, it was like a year long program and it was intensive and it was amazing. And we, you know, we looked at everything. We studied um, all different kinds of stuff, shamanism and uh, like just everything. I thought like just generous listening, how to be a deep and generous listener, um, how to give um, compassionate feedback, which is something that I already am pretty skilled at through being a gateless writing teacher, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it was just the most powerful thing. And at, uh, on the day of our graduation, you know, um, my spiritual mentor at the time, um, Reverend Stephanie Rutt, came over and I said she was whispering in everybody's ears, you know, some, some little nugget, some little, you know, golden wisdom gift in their ear um, as she gave them a rose. And when she got to me, she said to me, you are on fire for God. You are on fire for God. And uh, don't ever let anybody put that flame out. And she said, you're like a wild horse, like running across the field, like whoo, setting everything on fire around you. And I mean on fire in a good way, not burning it down to like destroy it, like not that, but like just lighting it up, you know, with my passion for the divine. And that's how I feel. And I'm a spiritual mentor on purpose. I don't say I'm a life coach. You know, I do help people with their life. Um, you do this work and it changes your life. And if you're an entrepreneur, it changes your business, right? And if you're an employee, it changes you being a better employee. If you're a parent, you know, that's the whole thing. You know, there's, to me, there's no more important work than this. And, you know, the thing is, is we, you know, we get to ask ourselves, you know, do we want to ignore this? Do we want to ignore this work? Like if we're finding ourselves, right? Like, again, going back to, I wasn't always this way. I wasn't always this way. People ask my sweetie that all the time. Is she always like that? And he's like, yeah. I have trained my mind over time. And I always say it like that movie Poltergoose. I know I say it on all the different episodes and I'll be like, go to the light, Carol Ann. Like I do. I don't ignore the darkness, but I know that the answer isn't there. 
the, the, the healing doesn't happen in the past and we're not in the future yet. All we have is this present moment. The miracle is in this moment. And what I'm really good at is creating a safe container of non-judgment to really look at things, to stand by your side and to hold your hand on this journey until you're ready to take a greater hand so that you can light your torch from my fire. And I'm not claiming myself as like, that sounds like a cultish leader kind of thing. Like, oh, like what is she saying? That she's God now? It's like, no, I'm talking about my enthusiasm, my enthusiasm for deep, deep connection to yourself, to your source and to your spirit. And I think that's the heartbeat also of creativity. And when A Course in Miracles says, child of God, you were born to create the good, the beautiful and the holy. Do not forget this. You were created to create the good, the beautiful, and the holy. I didn't always know that, but now I do. And now that I do, I try to keep my mind tuned into that. I try to keep my mind attuned to the vibration of the divine. I try to keep myself in deep connection and communion and communication with the part of my mind that is not insane, the part of my mind that has never forgotten God's love, has never forgotten my identity and my purpose. And this is the work that I love to share with others. So if this resonates with you at all, you know, you can find it. You just go to my website. You go to karenkenny.com. There's a work with me little link. And you just click on boop, spiritual mentoring. And that's how you find it. And like I said, I'm only opening up to four people because these relationships, it's either six months or 12 months. And they're intense. And I mean intensive we go deep. They're deep, intimate experiences. Like I said, where I walk along beside you for like six months and it's about learning to take these tools and to apply it. It's moving from the head to the hat and out into the hands, like out into the world. Cause it's not enough to theorize about these things. You know, you know, you ever have like a problem and somebody's like, like, Oh, read this book. And you read the book. And at the end of it, you're like, yeah, but like, well now what, like, what do I do with this? This is like true blue hands-on first, like, like, like firsthand experience. This is about taking big spiritual concepts, bringing them down to earth and living them and applying them and practicing them. It's why I love A Course in Miracles so much. The 365 daily workbook lessons. It is A Course in Mind training. It is training you to relinquish fear and extend, step into love, step into what I call the fearless flow of your life. And we do this work together to transform your story to your glory. And it's very powerful stuff because I wasn't always this way. But you guys, I'm telling you, now I am. And I have so many tools. And I'm not saying it like I'm special. I earned these. When I look at my toolbox and I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a hammer, there's tweezers, there's a Phillips, there's this, there's a ratchet thing, there's like uh, Allen wrenches, there's some nails, there's some screws, there's this, there's a, there's a ruler, there's a thing that, what's that thing? There's a square, there's a freaking compass thingy, you know? There's a fucking tape measure. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I earned those tools. I put those suckers in there, but I'm not keeping them just for myself to build my own house. I'm trying to build safe places and containers. It's why I created my spiritual membership, The Nest, because I wanted to create a safe space where people could come and catch their breath and grow their wings and then go out and build nests in their own community. So if this interests you at all, you guys, I'm just going to encourage you again, right? There's only four spots and I do that on purpose because the people that I'm working with, I want to be able to be really present with them. 
And I don't want to feel, be distracted or feel overwhelmed in any way by like 15 clients or 12 clients, right? I work with a small group of people at a time, uh, meaning that they're individual clients, um, but we also do still have like a monthly group call so they get to know each other because it's really helpful to know that you're not alone when you're doing this work, right? So I was just kind of thinking about that too, right? Like circling back to that. When I say I wasn't always this way, it's often, it's often denoted as being like really negative, right? But this isn't that. This is like, I wasn't always, I wasn't always this happy. I used to be kind of cranky and uh, a little like, and again, to the people who were closest to me, because I felt safe enough to reveal how unhappy I was. On the surface, it looked one particular way. But underneath it all, there was suffering. And, um, you know, when I think about how much time I wasted trying to do it other ways, like, you know, when I look back and I'm like, oh yeah, like I tried the drinking, I tried sex, I tried the drugs, I tried shopping, I tried this, I tried that, right? I tried a thousand ways to distract myself. I tried that. And I'm like, oh yeah, none of this works. And if it works, what does it work for like five fucking minutes, right? Like you feel better temporarily. And now it's like, I mean, throw in social media and the thousand ways people try to distract or numb or whatever, you know? And at the end of the day, like, you know, that's the other thing too, like to ignore your unhappiness, um, it's going to affect everything else. It's going to affect everything else in your life. If you ignore, and it might just not be a, a general like sense of, it might just be, you know, you feel... You feel like you don't fit in. You feel like you don't belong. You feel like you're left out. You feel like you're um, lost. You feel disconnected. You feel numb. Um, maybe you feel murderous. Maybe you feel rage. Maybe you feel um, wicked sad. Maybe you feel depressed, right? It's like there's a thousand ways to experience discontent. There's a thousand ways to feel disconnected. There's a thousand ways to feel fear. And so if you're not like feeling happy and peaceful, which is our natural inheritance on a pretty, um, and it, it can be hard, right? This world can make you feel um, like maybe you shouldn't be happy and peaceful given how much suffering there is. So it's not really like celebrated that much in that way um, because it can seem like maybe you're wicked shallow if you have any joy in your heart. Like how can you have joy in your heart when we look around and we see the fucking mess, the mess that is. But um, I choose to see um, the divine everywhere. Uh, and it's not always easy because I also do see, of course, as a vegan, I mean, of course, I've chosen to be vegan for that very reason because I've seen how much suffering there is and I don't want to contribute to it, right? I don't want to be a part of any animal being, uh, being abused or raped or um, to be a part of that system where they're suffering, right? So it's not like I don't see it. But I always say I'm in this world, but not of this world. So we can't solve the problems of this world, but the level of thinking that is creating this world, as Einstein says, we need a higher consciousness, a different consciousness. We need better tools in our toolkit. And, um, you know, I didn't used to have those tools. That's why I didn't used to be this way. I used to be scared out of my mind, wicked, anxious, um, a thousand, I mean, whatever. I could go on and on and on. But now I know that I can always stop and question my thoughts. I know that I can stop and question the authority. I can stop and question, wait, what? I can stop and question what I read and what I see and what I hear. And I could be willing to have conversations. I'm not so attached to my opinions that I have to be right anymore. You know what I'm saying? These are not little things. These are wicked important things. And um, yeah, wasn't always this way. Now I am this way. 
and I can show you too how I got this way and how to maintain it. So if that speaks to your heart, people, <laughs> I want to hear from you. So reach out to me. You can also just go to my website and uh, hit the connect button and you can send me a little message. Um, but if you're serious about it, you can, uh, when you go to the spiritual mentoring page, you'll see the two buttons for the different options, six months or 12 months. And if, if you feel it, if you feel it and you're ready, if you're ready to make that investment uh, on all those different levels, man, fill out the application. Let's have a conversation because you know, there's very few people that I talk to when I feel like, and, and if I feel like I can't help you, if I feel like, you know, whatever's going on is out of my, out of my um, capability or not my lane, uh, I will refer you to somebody else, or I will suggest like maybe something else. I don't just take everybody's money to take it. I don't, I don't operate that way. It's got to feel like a wicked good fit. It's got to feel like a good energetic and emotional and just kind of, um, you know, spiritual fit. Um, and I, you know, I always ask my spiritual team, like, you know, what, what about this one? And it's not about a judgment. It's just, I don't want to take people's money if I don't feel like I can actually help them get some good results. And I don't want to take people's money who aren't really in it to win it. Meaning like, um, I don't want to be fighting you the whole time. I don't want you to be fighting me for your limitations, you know? This is about like, and just because you're ready, like I sometimes say to people too, like, are you ready to do this? And they're like, I think so. And I'm like, yeah, just because you are ready doesn't mean you're also not still a little scared, <laughs> right? Because big change can feel wicked scary, but you don't have to do it alone. Nobody can do the work for you, but you don't have to do it alone. And, you know, when A Course in Miracles says, if you knew who walked beside you on this way that you have chosen fear would be impossible. In the beginning though, it is wicked scary. And so it's really nice to know that you have somebody to walk along beside you. And again, that's the part that I do is that I hold your hand until you're ready to take the hand of something greater. And you guys, I believe it, you know, um, writing books, speaking, um, and mentoring this, this is, uh, my ministry. This is my mission. Um, this is my purpose and my message. This is why I'm here. Um, and whether you call it a calling or a mandate or divine assignment, uh, I have no doubt, I have no doubt that um, my torch has been lit from some incredible teachers, Marianne Williamson and Eknatha Schwarin and like go on and on and on and on, right? Like I'm not doing this to be like, oh, look how special I am, <laughs> right? But my torch has been lit by some pretty incredible people. And now... Um, to, um, as A Course in Miracles says, you are the light of the world. So be able to, to um, enhance other people's torches, to light from the light of your teacher is one of the things that um, I love to do. So thank you so much for tuning in and for listening. And if you're finding yourself a particular way that no longer serves you, no longer feels good, and you're like, man, you know, I don't want to be this way anymore. Um, then, you know, they, they say, I wasn't always like this. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what this is, but clearly it's not working anymore. And I wasn't always this way. And that's the, that's the other thing, you know, um, that I love about that saying, you know, um, if you knew who walked beside you on this way that you have chosen and in every moment you are choosing, you're choosing to either stay stuck in your patterns, in your history, in your trauma, in your grief, in your suffering, or you're choosing to turn towards the light and to say, um, there must be an, a better way. There must be a better way. You make that declaration. 
right? To the divine, to God, to the universe, to your spiritual team. And then I answer and I'm willing to help you find it. And that's how we do it because we are better together. Okay, we are better together. But whether you do or you don't do, it is a choice. Just know that you are making that choice to either do this work or to not do this work. And only you know, like you know when it's time. And if it's time for you and you're ready, I would be so honored if you wanted to do this work um, alongside me. So you guys, thank you so much. Um, I'm assuming I'm probably going to have an amazing birthday. I'm probably excited. I'm wicked happy that I'm 52 because I'm back in the even years by the time you hear this. And uh, I, love the, I love the even years, right? I'm like, 51 was kind of weird. I'm like, I'm psyched for 52. And then 54, 55, 56, and even because 55 is like a matching number. So that's wicked fun. <laughs> so I'm psyched for 52. Uh, I hope you have an incredible rest of your week. I love you so much. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for giving me part of your time today. Um, and as I always say, you guys, wherever you go, whoever you bump into, whoever you talk to, whatever you do, man, please leave those people, those places, those critters, those creatures, the environment um, better than how you found it. Wherever you go, may you be a blessing. Hey, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Karen Kenny Show. <laughs> I super duper appreciate your time, friendship, and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days and let me know what your favorite pot was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. -E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you wanna hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing. <laughs>